All that matters is who God says that we are. If you have your Bible with you, find the New Testament book of Colossians chapter 3 and hold your place there. Colossians chapter 3 and just hold your place there for just a minute. We'll get back to it in just a minute. We've been talking about our identity and and in this message series we have looked back at how God created us in his image in the Garden of Eden. He created Adam and Eve, male and female, and he created us with purpose, uh, in relationship, with free will, but especially in his image. And everything else comes from that. And then we've seen in this series that Adam and Eve sinned against God in disobedience, and immediately uh, their identity was corrupted in all those areas, relationships, free will, purpose, and, and their image was tainted because suddenly rather than see themselves as created in the image of God, like us, now they're more concerned about their self-image. Suddenly it's all about looking at themselves and their self-image, and we have inherited that corruption. We're, We're concerned about what the world says about us and how we feel rather than what God says about us. And we've seen that in this series. Now last week we saw how God redeems us in Christ, and we any if anyone is in Christ, the Bible said, He or she is a new creation in Christ. We are made new in Christ, and our identity is redeemed in Christ. And this morning we're going to consider what comes after that. And the simple truth of this whole series is that uh, we need to hear what God... If we we don't believe uh, what God says about us, it's because we don't believe... That God created us. That's the starting point for all these things. It's, it's believing, to believe what he says about us, we, we have to believe that he's right. And, and believe that we have a creator. To get our identity from him, uh, to have our identity renewed in him, means that uh, we believe in him and we believe what he says about us. Uh, December of 2019, a young lady named Amanda a uh, resident of Portland, uh, got a phone call from a, an unknown number, so she didn't answer the number. And just a few minutes after that, she received a text message from the same number. And the text message said, Amanda, I'm Officer Fullington of the police department, and we have recovered your stolen ID. And she responded, nice try, creep. I know you're not a cop because no cop would ever have my cell phone number." Well, Officer Fullington was actually impressed by her incredulity and her unwillingness to fall for a scam. So he took a picture of himself in full police uniform beside his cruiser holding up her stolen ID. And he sent it to her. And she texted him back with kind of a laughing emoji. Thank you for that. And they connected to get her ID back. See, it starts with uh, believing that God knows us and he knows what he's talking about. That, that we have a creator. Because until we do that, we don't believe what he says about us. So it starts with, he's our creator. We believe he is who he says he is. So since he is who he says he is, we believe what he says about us. And that's really what this series has been all about. It's turning the corner to realize We shouldn't be drawing our identity from what the world says. We shouldn't be drawing our identity from our feelings and preferences. We should draw our identity from the one who defined us, the one who created us, the God who says he knows who we are. 
as we move forward this morning, we're going to see that being a new creation in Christ produces certain outcomes in our lives. And these outcomes follow the same pattern of the fall into sin. Outcomes in our lives that demonstrate God is at work in us, uh, that he is renewing our identity in Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Well, we're going to notice that he zeroes in on the idea of knowledge. Uh, he's writing to the, to the Colossians, and, and in the letter to the Colossians, they had a knowledge problem. They were very confused, like a lot of people in our time are. Uh, and they had people in the church, coming into the Christian church, who said they had special knowledge. And to listen to them, because they knew more about Jesus than even the Apostle Paul did. And Paul refutes that through the whole letter by saying two main things. One, he says, is God gives knowledge about Christ to everyone who's willing to trust Christ. Everyone who's willing to trust Christ will receive knowledge about Christ and about themselves. In other words, about their identity. And then the second thing he says over and over, and in the verses that come just before what we're going to read today, he emphasizes that if you are a believer in Christ, it will show in your character, it will show in your lifestyle, because you're going to be changed. And if you're not a believer in Christ, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you say that you have, nothing's changing. Your character's not changing. In a similar way, I think of the world around us, the world that tells us they have all this knowledge about who we are and, and go with your feelings and, and do what we say and they define us and define us and define us. But their character is lacking. There's no real change. And, and we just go deeper and deeper and deeper into confusion and deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. So with the Apostle Paul, we acknowledge this morning that true knowledge about us comes from our Creator. And when we embrace His knowledge rather than all the knowledge around us, when we embrace His knowledge, we are renewed in Christ. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read just a, a few verses. Remember, Paul is writing to Christians about their identity in Christ and about the outcome of of that new identity in Christ. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 9. Starting at verse 9, after he's talked about character and knowledge, this is what Paul says. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. In Christ there is no Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. Remember last week we considered that we are in Christ. When we're new believers, we're born again, born again, we now have life in Christ. Paul's favorite term for what it means to be a believer in Christ. And here he gives a hint of why that's so important. Because everything is about Jesus. You're, he's all in and we're all in him when we come to faith in Christ, everything is about him, including our identity. Who we are now is because of Christ. It's in Christ. It comes out of Christ. It's all about Jesus because he is our creator. He is our creator. It's all about Christ, our redeemer, our creator, and our savior. In Christ, we have a new identity. What's the outcome of that? Well, let's for, take a few minutes this morning. I want us to look at three ways our new identity, uh, three things, excuse me, our new identity produces, three outcomes of that new identity in Christ. First of all, your new identity in Christ produces inward change. It produces inward change 
or maybe transformation might even be a better word. Inward change or, or transformation. And notice Paul put it this way. He says, do not lie to each other because it's all about the truth. And here's the truth. You have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Two terms that are past tense. You have put off and you have put on. Uh, one of Paul's favorite images of being a believer in Christ and living for Christ is putting on and taking off clothes. And he uses it in a variety of ways. But in this particular passage, he's using it uh, synonymously with being born again in Christ. When you put off your old self, that's when you were saved in Christ. And you put off that old self. Why? Well, we learned last week that old sinner self died with Christ on the cross when you trusted Christ as your Savior. So you made an intentional decision and you put off that old self and you put on your new self in Christ. You decided to live in Christ. That was a past tense exchange. And the language means it was once for all. When you were born again in Christ, the old self was put away and the new self the new identity in Christ. That's you, what you put on you. Now you live in Christ. Now you are in Christ. Now Paul says elsewhere, now and then that old sinner self might give you problems. It raises its head. It, it acts like it's not dead on the cross yet. And he even says in the book of Galatians, that old sinner self will be at war with the Holy Spirit in your life. It, it battles with that. But he emphasizes that you don't have to give in to that because that's not you anymore. You, you took off that old self and you, you put on a new self. That's your new identity. That's your renewed identity in Jesus Christ. And that's what happened when you were born again in Christ. So the first outcome is this inward change that's happening in the life of the believer. This inward change that that produces new character and a new outlook and, and, and a new perspective and a new way of looking at life. The sad truth is a lot of us cover up that because we, we're, we're listening to what the world says. We're, we're claiming that, well, the, the, what the news media says must be true. And what the magazines say and what my friends say about me, that must be true. What social media says about me, well, that must be true. And we're forgetting that that old self is gone. And the truth, remember Paul says, don't lie to each other. Speak the truth. And the truth is in Christ. When Kim and I lived in Texas back in the 1980s, one of the jobs I had uh, was refinishing antique furniture. And there's not, nothing says Texas like refinishing antique furniture outside in the sun in the summer in Texas. But it was a great job. And I'll never forget the first day I showed up. I worked for uh, an older couple that owned the business, Mr. and Mrs. Drew. I don't think I ever knew their first names, but I remember them as Mr. and Mrs. Drew. And Mr. Drew was an expert at refinishing antique furniture. They would buy these estates, and, and they would bring them to their, to their house and to their store. And, and part of my job was whatever they pulled out of the barn or the shed, that's what I did. I spent the week refinishing uh, that piece of antique furniture. I'll never forget the first one that I did. They pulled out this table that looked like it had come over on the Mayflower. It was all gunked up with brown stuff and old varnish on it. Uh, and and I, had a, I had in my mind what I would have done in the past. And what I would have done in the past 
was I would have, I would have stripped that down and gotten the old stuff off and then I would have sanded it and then I would have gone to Lowe's and I would have gotten some stain and, and some, some more nice thick varnish and I would have stained that wood and then I would have put that old varnish, that new varnish on top of the new stain. And apparently Mr. Drew was pretty aware, aware of the way you know, 20-year-old men think about furniture. And he said, let me tell you what we're not going to do. <laughs> and that was exactly what we're not going to do. He said, here's what we're going to do. He said, I want you to take this this product. It was a chemical product. I want you to strip all that old gunk off. And he said, it's gunky because it's really old. This is what we use, they used back in the 1800s. And you're going to get all that old gunk off of there. And it's thick. And it's going to take you probably two or three days just to get all that old gunk off of there. And then you're going to sand it by hand. We don't use sanders on antique furniture because uh, the wood is very pliable and, and, uh, and we don't want to damage the wood. So you're going to sand this whole thing by hand. You know, and, and I'm thinking, it's really hot out here. You're going to sand this whole thing. By, when you get it sanded, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take this linseed oil and this turpentine and you're going to mix them three to one. And you're going to take this little brush and you're going to lovingly brush that linseed oil all over this table. And then you're going to do it again. And he said, you're going to love what happens. Because when you lovingly put that oil on that table, no stain, just oil and turpentine, you're going to put that on that table. You're going to see the natural wood texture arise from that table. It's going to be amazing. He said, you, you'll be blown away because that old yucky varnish hid the real table. The real table is underneath that. So you're going to get to bring out and renew and restore what that varnish had gunked up over all these years. It's not hard to see where I'm going with this, is it? And you'll love it any more, even more when we realize the word Paul uses for put off the old can be translated strip away. You're t- you took away that old gunky artificial covering of your identity. You got rid of that sin. It was nailed to the cross. And since then God has been lovingly bringing out the identity he gave you all along. But it's, it's renewed in Christ. It, it's you, but you're brand new. And he's bringing out that new identity in Christ. From the outside in. So the first outcome, the first thing, is your new identity in Christ produces and works on you from the inside out. There's an inner change and transformation that takes place. That transformation impacts your character. And that's what people see uh, from you. That's what they get to know about you. That's how they know you have come to Christ in your life. So the second thing your new identity produces then is forward progress. Not only inward change, but forward progress. Look back at verse 10 for just a minute. Verse 10. Paul says, you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. Now from past tense, what happened in the past, to a present active tense, you are being. This is what you did in the past. You put off and you put on. Now you're being renewed according to the knowledge of your creator. In his image, you're being renewed. You're being made over again. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 12. You're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
So God goes to work on you now. And he begins renewing you. Before the Colossians and for us, he emphasizes uh, the necessity of having knowledge of your creator renewed in you. You come back to understand who he is. And, and as Paul speaks of it, he's talking about the Son of God, Jesus Christ, as our creator. Jesus, the Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, all God and all created. Jesus, the Son of God, implemented what the Father wanted done at creation. Jesus is our creator. And we're being made into his image, being made more like Christ. Now, the theology of this is fairly thick, but uh, if we can simplify it a little bit, here's what happened. The original first creation that fell with the sin of Adam and Eve, God's not interested in going back and just doing that again. What God wants to do is he wants to start with a new creation. And God saved you as the beginning of the new creation. You are a new creature, a new creation in Christ. And you and I are the beginning of that new creation. And it starts in Christ... Because Christ was born of a virgin, he's not in the bloodline of Adam. So he's not in the bloodline of sin. So when you're born again in Christ, that old bloodline is what dies away. You're not part of that old sin. You're now born again in Jesus Christ. Now it's time to start renewing your knowledge to understand that. So you have a lifetime with God to have your knowledge of a new life shaped and renewed in the image of Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor Bob, I don't really feel that happening. Well, you won't feel that happening, but we will see it happening as your character changes and you become more like Christ. And this is a lifelong project. This is the journey you're on and it's God's project in you that he is renewing you in your knowledge of the image of your creator. You were made in the image of God, created in the image of God, made in the image of God. Fail with sin, God saved you from your sins, now he is shaping you into the image of Christ. The confusion of knowledge is at the core of the confusion of image and identity in our, in our culture. Our culture is constantly saying and demonstrating their confusion of identity because of confusion of knowledge. Gender confusion is a good example. Why are we so confused about our biology? Well, there are three reasons for it. One reason we're so confused in our culture about our biology is that human beings in the world outside of Christ are counting on their definition of biology and identity from after the fall. Not before. They don't go back to how we were created, where the Bible says we're created male and female. That was before Adam and Eve sinned. Now we look at the world after Adam and Eve sinned, and we're confused about our biology and are confused about our identity. And remember, the first thing Adam and Eve did, the first thing they did when they sinned was looked at themselves and they were ashamed. They were ashamed, the Bible says, because they realized they were naked. In other words, they had a, a problem with their own biology, with their own self-image. And that confusion has stayed with us and has continued with us through time. And we just feed on that knowledge. So the first problem is we're, we're, we're resting our knowledge. The world rests its knowledge on what happened after creation, the sin that came into the world. And that's, that knowledge is corrupted. We can't possibly be right as long as we're resting in that knowledge and trying to understand who we are in that knowledge. 
The second thing that, that's wrong with it is that because of that lack of knowledge, that corrupted knowledge, we look for our identity in our feelings. And now our culture has come to a point where feelings are, are dominant. In fact, we believe now in our culture, outside of the Bible, outside of the Word of God, we believe that how you feel is truth for you. That that's actually truth if you feel that way. So if you get up tomorrow morning and feel like you should be a different gender, well, that's truth for you. If an eight-year-old gets up in the morning and feels like she should be a boy, her parents now say, well, that's truth for you, so I'll help you change that. Feelings are never a barometer of truth. Never. You and I both know this. How can our culture hinge everything on feelings when another whole part of our culture tells us never make decisions when you're emotional? You've heard that, haven't you? Never make major decisions when you're emotional. And yet another part of our culture says that's exactly what you should be doing because that's truth for you now. But what if 10 years from now you feel differently? What if tomorrow you feel differently? Is the truth changed? It's knowledge gained from a sinful condition. The Bible says even the creation even the creation itself, including our biology, is fallen because of sin, is corrupted because of sin. It's knowledge that hinges on how you feel, and that's never, never reliable. Never. Never reliable. And it's knowledge that counts on the world to be right. The world to be right. The world constantly saying, this is what's right. This is what's true. And as Paul points out, that's not accurate knowledge. That's just confusion. The Bible teaches God is never a God of confusion. His truth is absolute and universal and objective. Outside of us, we can count on God's truth. God always tells us the truth. And to understand our biology, we go back to creation itself. How God originally created us. Because after that, Everything is tainted and corrupted by sin, including our perspective of ourselves. We have gender confusion in our culture. And if you know someone or you yourselves are confused about your gender, I am not uh, condemning you for that confusion. I'm telling you to come to Christ with that confusion. Come to the Word of God and find the truth about who you are and how God created you. So second... Forward progress. God is renewing us in the knowledge of His Son and the image of God in us that we would be more like Christ. He's transforming us. He's making us more like Christ. And then third, the third thing our identity does, and, and, and we see this happening, uh, is the outward impact. The outward impact of our identity. That now we see other people as God sees them. We looked at this last week as God shapes our perspective. He shapes, we start seeing people as God sees them. We start seeing people as Christ sees them. He shapes our outward look on people. And that starts shaping our relationships. Just as relationships were corrupted at the fall, now in Christ, relationships are renewed. But God's not just about your personal relationships. He's about creating a new uh, community 
the community of God in Jesus Christ, the church, the body of Christ, is God's new creation on earth. And those relationships now define all relationships. The Apostle Paul put it this way when describing the church. Look at verse 11. He says, In Christ there is no Greek or Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. But Christ is all and in all. Now what's he talking about? Greek or Jew? No ethnicity or nationality. Believers in Christ don't look at each other and, and see ethnicity or nationality. What do we see? Christ. Christ is all and in all. Uh, circumcision and uncircumcision. There's no religion so to speak. There's no religious definition in the body of Christ. What is the definition? We trust Christ. We're born again in Jesus Christ. We're the body of Christ. Barbarian Scythian. This is Paul's way in his day of identifying civilized and uncivilized. We would say educated, uneducated, wealthy, or poor. Uh, there's no distinction in the body of Christ. Slave or free. These are economic principles. In Paul's day, uh, we know that slavery is bad, reprehensible in fact, but in Paul's day and in the ancient world, they were simply economic principles. But slave or free on either side of that, it doesn't matter. If you're in the body of Christ together, born again in Christ together, God is renewing your knowledge and changing and shaping those relationships that you would be more like Christ every day. He is renewing you into the image of of Christ. It changes our relationships. It, and we become the body of Christ. We become something no one's been, been before. Believers in Christ become the body of Christ and the people of God. And now we tear down those barriers that we see, uh, that the world sets up. They put up all these barriers. And in and, and our world now, we're dividing ourselves by these barriers Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, I don't care. Those bar race barriers, economic barriers. Uh, all power barriers, we talked about that last week in this series. We're setting up all these barriers. And Paul says, here's the miracle of your new identity in Christ. While you're being renewed in the knowledge of your Savior in the image of God, other people are too, and you all come together, and in Christ those barriers don't exist. You, you don't recognize those. You don't, uh, you don't even acknowledge those. They don't exist because Christ is everything. Christ is all and in all. Uh, are you familiar with uh, the Ark, Noah's Ark Rescue Sanctuary in Georgia? You ever heard of this? I think I mentioned it several years ago. This just fascinates me. It's a place that rescues abused animals. And if you're curious, go online and look at this because they, they, they recently rescued, I think it's 131 chihuahuas. So if you're looking for a chihuahua. But they're most famous for what they call BLT. B-L-T, Baloo, Leo, and the Tiger, Shere Khan. In 2001, Noah's Ark Rescue Sanctuary rescued a bear, a black bear, a tiger, and a lion from the basement of a drug dealer who had been rescued, excuse me, had been arrested. So they, they rescued these three animals, these three predators, right out of his basement. They had been abused. They were in poor health. So they brought them to the sanctuary. They started nursing them back to health. And when they did, they separated the tiger, the lion, and the bear, three major predators. They separated them for fear they would hurt one another. And the three animals were almost uncontainable. They were agitated. They were loud. They were noisy. They were irritated all the time. 
And finally, someone figured out that these three had been together for a while. Maybe we should put them back together. And since then, since they put them back together, Baloo, Leo, and Shere Khan became famous. Three predators that otherwise in the wild would hate one another, but now brought together, as as the uh, sanctuary person said, they don't see each other as different. Leo passed away uh, four years ago. But Baloo and the tiger are still going strong. Best friends who can't see the differences between one another. Why is it so hard for people? It's because we we listen to what the world says. We get our knowledge from the world instead of from Christ. But once you're born again in Christ, put off that old self, take on that new self, start having your, uh, your knowledge renewed in Christ, you start seeing people the way Jesus sees them. And you start realizing the miracle of the body of Christ. Your identity in Christ includes that you are the church. You're not part of the church. You are the church. The people of God come together. That's our identity on planet Earth. That's who we are. This morning, wherever you are in here or at home, I want to invite you, first of all, if you've ever trusted, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior and you know you've trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to, to renew your growth in Christ. Uh, at the kids' service this morning, Miss Jane told the kids uh, they need to, to uh, uh, hide the Word of God in their hearts. And to do that, to read the Word of God and to pray and to be in church. I couldn't ask for a better description of what it means to consistently be renewing yourself in the knowledge of God. If you're going to be renewing yourself in in the image of Christ, you've got to be in the Word of God. You've got to be in prayer. And thank you, you've got to be in church here or online. But you've got to be participating in that renewal. Would you recommit, believers, would you recommit today to renewing yourself, your, your, your knowledge of the image of God in you and growing in Christ. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, in-house or at home, I'm going to pray with you in just a moment to do just that. I want to invite you to trust Christ this morning. And you can do it right where you are by praying the prayer I'm going to pray in just a few minutes. Pray it to Christ in your heart. Give your life to Christ today. Get to know your Creator. Start being made new. Start receiving and understanding His knowledge about you and about the world. Come to Christ today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we pause in the moment, Father, we're so thankful, God, for You renewing knowledge of You in us and knowledge of ourselves, God, that we grow in Christ day by day. And I pray for believers in Christ, Father, right now, those who who know they've trusted Christ as their Savior, God, but but they realize they're stunted in their progress. Father, I pray today they would recommit to the Word of God, to prayer, to worship, to being with other believers, to being the church. God, help us to do that today. And Father, forgive us for identifying ourselves or the people around us by what the world says. God, forgive us for that. I pray our eyes would be open to the way you see people, the way you see the world. And God, forgive us for any barriers or differences we put up in the church. And Father, I pray you tear those barriers down as you renew us in the knowledge of the image of our Creator, Jesus Christ. And God, for that one who needs to trust Christ as their Savior today, Father, I pray that they would come to Christ, pray this prayer in faith today to trust Jesus as their Savior. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I can't save myself. 
And Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me and that you're alive today. So Jesus, come into my heart, into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And Jesus, I repent of my sin. I put off that old self and take on the new self to walk with Jesus every day. I commit my life to Christ today. Father, I pray for us and the decisions we make. God, that we would not be flippant about those decisions. We wouldn't be careless about those decisions, but we would be serious about our decisions and our dedication to Christ. And for those who have prayed that prayer to trust Christ today, God, I pray for them that they would follow through in that decision to walk with Christ faithfully, to serve Jesus every day, and to be made new in Christ every day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.